Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our city. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> this, this team sucks. I don't know, like, I don't know what else to say at this point other than they suck, and it's it's... I'm trying to think back and I'm trying not to have recency bias as it pertains to 2012, 2014, 15. Uh, I'm trying to think like the wor- 2020, the worst Red Sox teams that I've personally seen. Uh, I feel like 2020, we kind of, we were, we had braced ourselves for that team sucking. Like we knew the suck was coming. And like everything fell apart before the season started, you know, yeah. obviously moving off Mookie, but you know, you yeah. lose Chris Sale at the time you lose Eddie. Come on. We knew 2020 was going to suck. 2014 kind of had similar uh, a feeling to it because yes, the Red Sox won the World Series the year before. Uh, I, we were talking about this. I was talking to like one of the dudes in the uh, Red Sox dugout on Friday about um you know, if Laz Diaz calls that pitch a strike, Nathan Avaldi in game four, then the Red Sox go into the bottom of the ninth tied. They win that game. Now they're up 3-1. There's no way that they blow a 3-1 series lead to Houston. And then you have, uh, I like our chances against the Braves in that series. Like you, you might be coming off a World Series championship. And then you lose Kyle Schwarber. You trade uh, Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. Um yeah, you, know, you start the season again without Chris Sale. You didn't have Chris Sale to start last year either. They were still in first. They, they were almost a better team without Chris Sale. Not that like Chris Sale made them a worse team. Chris Sale was was fine when he came back, uh, but that team was in first place at the trade deadline. Uh, so I, I, this one, like I, the comparison to twenty thirteen, is you had a really good team the year before and they overachieved. Like they weren't the greatest team, but they had success. And then you kind of roll out a similar team the next year and you're in last place. And I'm trying to make sense of this. I'm trying to understand like why the Red Sox are so bad. And, and it's, it's boring to keep hammering the same narratives over and over again. Like they're going to hit. Are they? <laughs> are they? Are they at this point? You know, we, we, we roll out the numbers of the bottom third of the batting order. They're the worst in baseball by a, a large margin. Um, the bottom third of the Red Sox batting order is the worst in baseball. I'm going to pull up the numbers right now. Um, it gets even worse after getting swept on Sunday and you have Dallas Keuchel pitching as well as he did against the Red Sox. I, I tweeted that stat. Since the start of last season, we're talking like 36, 38 starts somewhere in that region. Uh, there were only two pitchers in baseball worse than Dallas Keuchel. And I think I tweeted that out when he was working a uh, shutout after four, maybe five innings. Um, there was, what, an 8-10 ERA coming into today? Pretty bad. I'm saying going back to last year. He's been terrible this year, but he, like, 
if you even have like a, a broader um, scope to look at, it's he's been bad for a long time. So it's not just like a slow start. He's just like not that good anymore. Uh, but yeah, the seven, eight, nine hitters for the Boston Red Sox this season are hitting 182 with a 495 OPS. The next worst is the Oakland A's. The 29th worst OPS from 789 is 546. So the Red Sox 789 is the worst, and it's not particularly close to anyone else. <laughs> it's that bad. It's a black hole. And I think coming into the season, you know, like I and I've had this argument with Maz, and Maz is obviously winning this round right now about Bobby Dahlbeck. And they were like, well, Maz's point was, how could the Red Sox come into this season without any like insurance at first base? Travis Shaw was your insurance, and now he's he's gone. He's not in the organization anymore. You can't call up Tristan Cassis right away to be the savior. Um, and I said, the answer to that question is very simple. I think what Bobby Dahlbeck did in the second half of last year was extraordinary. And everyone wants like first impressions are huge. The first half of the season last year, he wasn't good. The second half of the season, he was great. And now he's not good again. And that might be putting it lightly. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., I feel like everyone just kind of... The, the overall numbers haven't been great. But like he's had... like It's Jackie Bradley Jr. We're familiar with Jackie. And he'll have his streaks of being dreadful. And then he'll have his streaks of being the hottest hitter in the lineup. We've so, seen it. Yeah, we've seen it this year. You know, a little hot after the Yankees series. And lately, he's kind of picked it up. He's swinging the bat at Fenway way better than he has on the road so far as well. But he, he's hitting about 200. Is there really any power there? Not really. He um, besides some doubles. But that's it's not on JBJ because when you got him, there was no expectation for him to hit. You know, that Hunter Renfro production, it goes back to Trevor Story. And I think that's really the face of where things are kind of turning right now when it's not really all on him, but that seems to be where the media and the attention are zoning in. Yeah. like, And the other thing too, Kike Hernandez has been dreadful offensively and he's just been skating uh, because of what he gets. It's, it all comes down for, I don't know. I don't It's weird. It's weird to me that, that Dahlbeck has gotten so much grief and no one ever says anything about Kike when Bob is getting paid league minimum and story rightfully so has not been good either, but it's like, all right, you're getting paid $140 million. Like let's see some production. Um, but then you also have Bob on the other end of the spectrum, home homegrown talent that's making league minimum. And he's getting just as much grief as Trevor story. And then you have Kike Hernandez who's been worse than Trevor story. Kike uh, is hitting 182 with a four uh, with a 545 OPS. Trevor Story's hitting 202 with a 568 OPS. So he's been a little bit worse than Trevor Story. And then you have Bob, who's been the worst hitter on the team. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure why. Like it's It seems to be like everyone has uh, their thoughts about Jackie's offense um, from, from his first stint with the Red Sox. Story gets grief because of, of the contract. And then Bob will get grief, but no one, no one's coming after Kike. Yeah. Uh, Another guy I'd throw in there. It's Alex Verdugo as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everyone kind of remembers the start of the year. Verdugo was probably your hottest hitter. Him endeavors 
Verdugo is completely gone cold, and I give him credit. He kind of talked about it during that interview today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 20 minutes, whatever it was, where he's kind of said he tried, he was kind of shooting for too much power at that point. Um, and he got away from, you know, spraying the ball over all over the field, which is the Alex Verdugo we like. We know he's not a guy who's going to hit a ton of bombs for you. You know, best case, we're hoping for something like 15 to 20, uh, and just a lot of doubles. And that was his goal entering the year. It's just, it's scary to me when you look outside of the Bogarts, the Devers, and the J.D. Martinez, the truly elite guys in your lineup. Nobody can make an adjustment. There's no adjustments being made across the board. Trevor's story, I think part of it's pressing at this point. He looks so frustrated. He looks like he's trying so hard. And I don't even know if it's something you can exactly see on TV as much. Like being at the game the other day and just watching it, every single pitch, even borderline stuff, it's getting to him. Uh I think he's going to come out of it eventually, but that true pressing the Boston pressure, it's there. And props to Alex Cora for defending him on, you know, was it strike three the other day? Probably. Uh, but trying to spark, you're trying to do something. But I look at even someone like Bobby Delbeck. All we talked about during spring training was the two strike approach. How many times did Alex Cora talk about that? How much that was a new mechanical change for him. It completely disappeared. It's gone. And I don't know if that's him just pressing. It's leaking into his defense. We're missing balls thrown directly at us. Really? Like You can't survive like that. And unfortunately, they don't have any other options. Uh, you have Franchi Cordero, but <laughs> Franchi's even worse defensively than Bobby is at this point. Um, it just feels like outside of your elite players, nobody can make an adjustment. And I don't know if that's a coaching issue you want to look at, but something's not right there. It, it's very concerning. Yeah. Jake, I know that uh, you know you try to you try to see the positive in this team. You predicted a sweep. Congratulations, you were correct. Um, how how has your viewing experience gone uh, with the Red Sox since we last spoke? Since we last spoke, yeah. Um, you know, it's just different this year because I feel like even in 2012, like we knew that team was going to suck and they were getting blown out and like just all the bad teams we've seen, we kind of. We kind of have known that they were going to be pretty bad, but this team, it's like the way they lose too. Like they're losing one run games. Like they're just getting, we're getting our dicks kicked in, in every different possible way. So it's just kind of, it's defeating when you, when you think you can win a game and you just lose night in and night out. Um, So this one, this one feels different. It is crazy. Like (laughs) they're, they're now up to nine blown saves, nine. And what's their record right now? 10 and 19. 10 and 19. Let's just say uh, seven of those nine saves get converted. What's what's that make their record, Tyler? I'm not good at math. I thought uh, you were supposed to be the nerd. I, I'm, go- I'm good with analytics. Like, I can break down analytical stats. Uh, you take seven. That'd be what? <laughs> 17. I'm not going to pretend like I can do that off the top of my head here. Let's do some group math. They'd have a winning record. Yes. Yeah. If I don't want to put it all on like the closer situation, but you have to believe that nine blown saves in the second week of the second month of the season has a little something to do with it. I obviously the offense has taken a beating and they should because it's been It's again, same thing we've been saying all along. It's JD. It's, it's Rafi. And it's Xander. Outside of that, has anyone really done anything? No. Um, 
like, you know, Verdugo wasn't that group for a hot second. And then he's just kind of tapered off and fallen into the group of people that aren't doing anything offensively. But you don't have to win every game by seven runs. Uh, and I just, I'm now just kind of looking at that um, nine blown saves. And <laughs> like, all you would, all, all you would hope for. When you're going into that situation in, in on what was it Saturday one nothing ball game, uh, Hansel Robles coming out to close that game, the face of the franchise, and I'm hoping in that spot that just I don't think it's going to be one two three. I'm not expecting it to be easy. It wasn't. I, I believe the leadoff batter reached on a walk. Was it a walk or base hit? I believe it was a walk. Walk and then two bullets. Surprisingly, one of them ended up being an out. Um, but it just, you know, I think I think it was was it you that made the point, Tyler, about how like Hansel Robles has been a little bit more hittable recently? Yeah. And hey, did we not see it today? He got squared up, he got out, he didn't give anything up, but he's getting squared up. Uh it was what? What did Garcia hit that ball that Christian Arroyo caught in right field that was super deep? Yes. That was off yep. Robles, correct? Yeah. I feel like I put that in the JD Martinez ninth inning double. If it, that's a regular day where the wind isn't blowing in, it's probably gone. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I even I even like prefaced it because at this point you just know you're conditioned to it. And I I wanted to point out I was like, hey, just just when this game ends up inevitably in a Red Sox loss, I just want to point out that Nick Pavetta pitched his balls off today, and I don't want that to be forgotten when the Red Sox inevitably lose this game in in dramatic fashion. And that's exactly what happened. Like I tweeted that. After he finished whatever it was, his sixth inning of work, uh, six innings, shutout, eight strikeouts, and he's pitching with the same emotion coming off the mound that he did in the postseason last year. And it's like, fuck yeah, like that's the Nick Pavetta that I saw last October. That's a dude that's pitching with balls and conviction. And to to see him exit that game in a one nothing ball game, you know, having watched this team so far this year, that that's not going to hold up. And it didn't hold up. Not only did Hansel Robles blow the save to make it 1-1. And then it's like, even when you go into the bottom of the ninth, now you're like, all right, we just, we should have just won that. The, the game should be over. It was one nothing. The Red Sox had to lead in the ninth. You have, uh, I guess, one of your best bullpen options on the mound. Game should be over. Red Sox win this game one nothing. All right, now it's tied. Now you're going to the bottom. And then once you get to extras with like that extra runner, for whatever reason, the Red Sox, like whenever we get to extra innings and the extra runner is uh, introduced to the equation, Red Sox are losing that game. I want to say they're they're like 0-4, 0-5 in extra inning games so far this year. 0-6 now, 0-6. I believe. 0-6. Fuck it's, yeah. But even on top of it, it's like that ninth inning on Saturday was the just the perfect example of what this season was where you have – Someone in Hansel Robles who should just not be pitching in a closer role like that. But once again, this is where you are. They have a fine group of arms. They're just missing an anchor at the back. And it's clear. And we've seen that since Garrett Whitlock's come out of that equation. But on top of it, you get to the bottom of the ninth. And guess what? Jackie Bradley Jr. comes through. Christian Vasquez comes through. Like, this is what you haven't had. The bottom of the lineup's doing something. And you can't do a single Thing about it Bobby Delbeck man please anything just lift the ball pop out like the the worst at bat you could and you know actually sorry let me save that 
The worst of that went to the next guy, Trevor Story, who then popped out. It's just that kind of stuff. It's exactly the issues with this team and whether you want to say the weakness of the bottom of the lineup, the weakness in the bullpen, or the garbage approaches we've seen throughout the entire season with Trevor Story popping up the first pitch. The first pitch. Like, you just can't live like that. We saw that in the ninth today with Christian Vasquez, you know, right after JD. Juices are flowing. They have a chance. Maybe they can steal this one, and we don't feel horrendous going into, you know, the next off day. Nope. That just kind of starts the end of a rally killer. <sighs> yeah, I want I want Trevor's story to do well. Uh, I, you know, I, it, I have no ammo. None. None. Like when I'm watching these games and I'm just getting absolutely flamed on Twitter. I've got nothing to say back. I don't, I don't even really like look at my mentions much now. No, I'm like, my- what, what is the point? My quote tweets are destroyed. You know, I did my chirping when they signed Trevor Story, you know, laughing at the Yankees fans who pretended like they didn't get all excited and say they were going to get him for a year if they didn't get Correa. They found those tweets. Uh, You know, (laughs) what can you say? You just kind of tip your hat because you're sitting there. Not only is it rough at the plate. He had a ball in Saturday's game that he should have got to that just kind of went off his glove and he didn't make the play. there's something he's mentally it's getting to him a little bit and I don't blame him. This is a very hard environment to play in. And when you go from playing in Colorado to here, could you name two more different environments in baseball? The guy said he had never even heard the home crowd boo him before. Mm -hmm. That's just part of being here. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're going to get laughed at. You're going to get shit on whatever it may be here and there when you're going through it. It's just, it feels like that entire wave that some of these first-year guys who have come here and really kind of fell on their face, it's getting on him very quickly. I did see Dan Shaughnessy took exception to Trevor Story oh. not meeting with the media. Spare but me. I want to say, like, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe I would have agreed and been like, yeah, you got to face the music. Like, it's part of being accountable. But I guess, I don't know, was it Alex Spear who yeah. said that All you Uh, had to do was click on the link of your colleague, Dan Shaughnessy, and you see he was in the batting cage trying to figure it out after the game. Right. Like, what's more important? Being accountable with Dan Shaughnessy or after going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, immediately getting in the cage and trying to to figure something out. Uh, I'm sure Dan Shaughnessy would have helped him start catching up to some of that velocity, without a doubt. He really would have guided him in the right direction there. Yeah. He doesn't always, like, come on. He's I feel like he's been pretty open since he got here about a lot of the stuff going on. He doesn't seem like a dude who runs from the media or who is scared of it. Um, He's just trying to figure it out. That's it. That's it. But when teams are in this bad of a spot, this is when narratives and stories and you're hearing this and that come out of thin air. And it's, you know, it builds and it builds and it builds and it's an ugly spot, you know. We see the Xander Bogart stuff that came out over the last couple of days. I think it was right after we finished recording the last episode, actually, Jared, where, you know, his friend, friend Scott oh Boris. Oh, my God. Shout yeah, out. we Shout didn't out Scott Boris. To, to talk about that. That was like, I think I think that story came out the day that we dropped the podcast. Like 30 minutes after, I'm pretty sure that's when it all came out. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that, too, because I've got some I got some fucking thoughts about that story. Um. It's just piling. Like It feels like everything's piling. And we haven't even mentioned the injuries and the stuff that's popped up the last, you know, 48 hours, basically. Right. Yeah. There's there's some things. 
um, there's some things that, that we have to discuss. Um, it sucks. There's nothing, especially, I mean, like fucking Pat Light, not here today. We could have talked about him blowing six grand on uh, <laughs> fucking Willie Mo Pena, whatever the name of the horse was. Uh, no Pete today. Um, anyways, an official sports betting partner of uh, Major League Baseball, that would be the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Just create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many bets, uh, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That is promo code Jared at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Um, So... I just I hate how this team makes me feel on a day to day basis, and I feel like this is this is the group to have this discussion with because uh, I know that you guys are watching all 162, and I know for me the success or failures of the Boston Red Sox greatly impact my mood on a day to day basis. Um, when the Red Sox are playing as poorly as they are right now, like I just feel like my fucking nuts are cut off. Like I don't have any, there's no like swagger behind my personality. There's just like, there's, I mean, yeah, it, it, it just sucks the life out of my day. And especially being someone that doesn't really have any interests outside of the Red Sox. Whenever I see someone that I haven't seen in a while, they'll say like, what's up with the Red Sox before they say like, how are things with you? How, how are things going with you? They'll be like, man, fucking Red Sox, huh? And then you just, you got to talk about how fucking terrible they are. Or even just like last night, I like went out to like a bar and you're walking around the bar and it's like, what's up, man? What's going on? Fucking Red Sox, huh? It's like, yeah, yeah. So it, it just kind of, whenever the Red Sox are this bad and like this obviously isn't my first rodeo um, doing this podcast for a shit Red Sox team, people that want to say, uh, oh, uh, you know, you leaving is the reason why uh, the the Red Sox are playing poorly. Learn your Section 10 history because Section 10 was born during a last place season. That was 2015. They were in dead last that season. Um, so I think, you know, it's I'm hoping... At this point, I'm like, if you were to ask me, are they going to make the playoffs this year? It seems unlikely at this juncture. I don't know. Like, I'm, I just want to win a fucking game. I just want to remember what it feels like to win a game. Maybe even, I'm not trying to get greedy here, maybe even consecutive games, maybe a series. I don't know. I, I, I would love to win a series, uh, but I'll just take a game at this point. Uh, are you guys also like that? Where if the Red Sox are so bad, you just can't even exist? Yeah, I'm at the point, you know, kind of going back to last episode, I'm sending out the most sad, concerning, you know, bad tweets ever. And, you know, it's almost timely. Just look at the seventh, eighth, eighth, ninth inning. You'll see I'm dead inside. I have nothing left. I'm talking about jumping off the monster head first. 
Twitter still doesn't care. Nobody has reported any of these tweets to make sure I'm okay. Um, But it's a lot of what you kind of said, Jared, where every single person that comes up to you. Oh, how's those socks? Mm -hmm. Tough times for your team, huh, Milliken? If I hear that at the Sports Hub one more damn time, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, nice weekend the Sox Mm. had, uh, you know. Beetle yeah. at the Red Sox Nice baseball game. team. Yeah, yeah nice, nice baseball, baseball team. team you got there. God, it, it's just, it's it's ugly. And, you yeah. know, I'm getting DMs from the hometown buddies. How can you fix them? It's a lot of problems to fix right now, unfortunately. Uh, and doesn't seem like the Red Sox have any answers. And, you know, we can try to give them, but just not looking good. Yeah. Jake? I think it especially sucks for me this year because, like, even with starting Section 10 during the lockout, like, with Barstool, I did, like, 10 episodes before we came here and like I was just so pumped for the season to start because I'm like all right producing section 10 like this is sick like just imagine how cool it's going to be once the baseball season starts and we do two episodes a week and then it finally starts and they're just awful so Mm -hmm. yeah definitely a big letdown how about how about we switch to a we can still talk about this White Sox series we'll we'll finish we'll we'll talk about a little more because there's other things we got to talk about there but let's talk about Jake's First experience on the field at Fenway Park is a credentialed member of the media. Jake, it's this is that was a big day for you. I mean, obviously the Red Sox lost because they lose every game. Uh, but Friday, we got you on the field before the game, batting practice. You're in the Red Sox dugout. Xander Bogart's coming up to Jake, being like, Man, huge fan. <laughs> and it was it was, t- I mean, talk to me about it. What, take me through your emotions. Yeah, I mean, me and Bogey go way back, so that one wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it was crazy because obviously I've been to Fenway hundreds of times and, you know, growing up, you always wonder what it'd be like to step on the field and let alone, you know, meet some of the players. Um, so when we walked right on the field, I think Bob was the first guy we saw right in the dugout. Mm-hmm. Jared was talking to him. He's like, this is Jake. I was like, hey, what's up, Bob? He's like, he, he was like, I'm Bob. I was like, yeah, I know, dude. Um, <laughs> I know. And then he, yeah, but uh, meeting him and then just seeing Rafi, like everyone knows how happy he is, but just like seeing him up in person, just like still so bubbly and just having so much fun, even though like we sucked this year, it was sick. Um, Matt Barnes was talking to us for a bit. That was super cool. Um, but yeah, man, just, just being on the field is just something I've always wanted to do. So that was definitely awesome. Yeah. Did you get, you, you were in the dugout, right? I feel, I feel like I should, I'm, I was so bad. I, I should have taken a picture of Jake in the dugout. We can next time we go, we can pretend that it was your first time, and I'll I'll take a picture of you in the dugout. Yeah, we'll get more chances for sure. Um, I was chilling the dugout a little bit. I don't think I like went down there and sat down, but sort of towards the top of it. Mm. Were you nervous, Jake? Um, honestly, not really. Like, I just kind of figured like just act like how you normally do. Like, I, everyone's a person. Like, you know, you can meet like super famous people, and they're all just you know, guys like you at the end of the day. So, um, but it was, it was definitely surreal just actually being that close to them and seeing, like hearing them talk firsthand. Who was, uh, who was your favorite person to, to talk to? Uh, Jaron Duran was funny. Um, yeah. He had just found out that he was leading off and was, uh, he sat and talked with, with Jared for a while. Um, Steve was there too. Uh, saw, saw and met Steve for the first time. Um, he, we were, pretty much telling Jaron that Steve's getting like full tats on his arms and just had that joke going for like 20 straight minutes. And he had no idea that it was even a joke. He's like, let me see it. Steve was like, 
nah, dude, like it's still healing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, it was it was cool to talk to him for for that long, knowing he was about to lead off. Yeah, I mean, it was like <laughs> it was like an hour and a half before first pitch, and he was just chilling, talking to us about Steve getting a tattoo sleeve that he clearly did not and will never have. Um, yeah, that was cool. To have you been on the field yet, Tyler? No, never. So that would be a, a new hmm. experience for me. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe we'll have to get that going. I can't imagine that this is the catch 22 is I can't imagine there are going to be a ton of interview requests for this team because they're so bad. But then I also can't imagine that many players will want to be like, yeah, let's fucking chop it up, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, let's let's, uh, let's talk about uh, whatever. Like, I know, like, even in, like, 2019, it sucked because, like, 2018 was the first year that we got press passes. Then 2019, we were like, yeah, let's ride the wave of 2018. And then it was very quickly an awkward and uncomfortable situation that season. Um, like, luckily, like, there were, like, a couple of guys. Like, I, I think I did one with Barnes. I did one with Benintendi. But, I mean, we, you know, Benintendi wasn't doing good that year either. The team wasn't. And we... We just kind of talked about 2018 and before it's like, all right, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to talk to you about, you know, you're hitting fucking 187 over your last 33 games. Like I'm not. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it like, I don't think it, like, I don't think it's going to turn around to the point where like, damn, the Red Sox are chasing down first place, but I'm hoping it turns around a little bit so that it's just not so awkward. Like, fuck the first time that I ever had press passes was in 2012 and I've told this story before but like I went in the clubhouse and that that it was I think it was like August maybe and by that point everyone was so goddamn miserable everyone just wanted to go home um like being in that clubhouse was comparable to being at a wake but like you didn't know anyone there like you didn't even know the person who died and you didn't know any like the family or anything like that it was just like why am i here this is so uncomfortable that's what the red sox clubhouse felt like in in 2012 um i don't want to ever experience that ever again and i would imagine that bobby valentine being the manager at the time didn't help things uh i would imagine that alex cora being the manager of this team at least the the vibes are never going to be that bad uh but I don't know. Like it's it's such a it's such a damn struggle where you know, talking talking to some guys on this team uh who have confidence that things are going to get better and then talking to other guys that you can tell um it's not that they lack personal confidence but are like do we suck, you know? Like is it a do we suck as in we don't have enough or is it we're just finding out now this isn't going to work? Like, I, is it a do we suck? We weren't we felt like we didn't have the same ammo as the Blue Jays, the Rays or the Yankees. Yeah, I think it was more of like a. Like, a you know, we were good last year. Why are we bad now? Like a, like a confusion. Like I expected us to be good and I feel like we're not. And that like, do we suck? Is this a bad stretch or are we bad? Like, I think that was kind of more just the the vibe of of their feelings. Um, but then there I, are other guys in the team that are just like, yeah, no, we're good. Like, we're a good team. And like, we're going to play good baseball at some point. And it's like, all right, well, when? <laughs> Fuck. 
like it, it just get to the point where Rafael Devers isn't stand or sitting in the dugout after the game with his head in his hands. I don't think I've ever seen a more heartbreaking photo. Like Devers just sitting there. Like he I haven't seen someone look so defeated. And he's one of the few guys playing well. Like this this is a guy who's putting the team on his back to some degree, at least when they do score. And even he's sitting there and Bogarts had a quote a couple days ago saying, I just I can't believe this offense can't score. Like it feels like everybody's they just don't have answers right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what scares me even more for the interviews is considering Heim and how he views a lot of stuff. If this continues over the next, you know, couple months and they're sitting in fourth place, I can't even I won't accept them being worse than the Orioles. I know where we are right now. I won't accept it. No, you can't be worse than the Orioles. You can't. Uh, if you're in fourth place and you're just not in the wild card race whatsoever, what guys will be left? Uh, so I've not let this thought enter my brain. I'm sorry. And I don't I don't want to go here right now. But if the Red Sox really feel like they can't extend or re-sign because there's going to be no uh, contract talks during the season, if, if they are so far out of it and they feel like things have gotten so piss poor with the relationship with Xander Bogarts, I do not want to be around. If they are like, we, we're going to trade Xander Bogarts. If that happens, I want nothing to do with being around that fucking team. Like the fan base will have every right to revolt. Like I get, um, like from a baseball perspective, right? Like if you're an executive and you're trying to win a championship and you have this player, who is incredibly valuable and talented, and you're convinced that there's no way that they're going to play for your baseball team beyond the end of this year, and your season is over by the trade deadline, does it make baseball sense to then trade that player to acquire assets for them? Yes. But in the case of Xander Bogarts, after lowballing him with an insult of an offer, coming off of having to trade Mookie Betts for financial reasons, it would be very tough to come back from. Like the, uh, like it's, it's such a weird dynamic with this ownership group because they've won four championships after 86 years of zero championships, but their approval rating doesn't stand very high in the city of Boston. And it feels like it's as bad as it's been right now. And while I don't think it's entirely deserved for the, you know, in a lot of ways, Bogarts, you know, bets is different. I, I think a lot of people don't look at the baseball logic when it came to bets, like you've kind of said, Jared, with the yeah. money and the luxury tax. With Bogarts, it's just everything, including There's letting no Mookie walk. It was supposed to be so something like this didn't happen again. And considering what we are hearing over the last week, how much you want to buy into it, you know, that's up to you. It just, you're continuing to go down that path. And it's not just him. It's JD. It's Nate Evaldi. It's like truly the wave of dependable kind of face of the franchise-ish star guys. Those are the ones whose names are going to rise to the top here. 
and that will just cloud them. It's, it, whether it's in June and we're waiting until the trade deadline, that's going to be the, you know, if they're out of contention, that's the story. That's what it'll be. Yeah. That and how Trevor Story's playing. Yep. So, man, the vibes have never been worse. The vibes have never been worse. They can't win a game. Uh, that that Saturday game where uh, they blew it in the ninth and then ultimately go on to lose the game. Just seeing Devers sitting in the dugout with like his head down, just like not moving. Like, that's terrible. That's terrible. Like, I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for someone specifically like, let's put ourselves in the shoes of Rafael Devers. Like, you just had a frustrating offseason of extension negotiations. You idolize Xander Bogarts, who's going through an even worse situation because at least Devers has one more year after this. Bogarts is up or can opt out after this season. So the guy that you want to share the left side of the infield with, he might be gone. And now you're questioning whether you even want to be here. And now you're even less happy because of the the nature of the contract negotiations because the team has played so poorly and it's not because of him. Like, it's not like he's struggling and everyone's like, damn, if, if only Devers could get it going, then maybe the Red Sox could get it going. Devers is doing everything that he possibly can. He's played above average defense for a guy that has gotten a lot of flack for his defensive ability at third base. Uh, he's made noticeable strides defensively. And offensively, he's been outstanding because he always has been. And to not both of those guys, Xander and Devers, to not let the distraction of the contract talks going sour affect your play going into the season. Um, they've both been consistently great uh, to start the year. And I mean, they're those are the two guys besides Julio that you cannot blame for the Red Sox being in the position that they're in right now. And, and JD is another guy that we don't even talk about having no contract after this year. Like all the contract talk is about Xander endeavors. JD also will be a free agent after this year. So I, I, this is crazy. The only three players on the team that you cannot blame for the Red Sox sucking are all just like, Hey, can someone pay us to stay here? Like it's crazy. And that's the tough part, and I feel like it bleeds through, like that Alex Verdugo comment we saw, you know, about a week ago. I think everybody's just wondering, you know, for a franchise that's, you know, seemingly was on the upswing after last year, it felt like something was building. The most important guys in that clubhouse, the leaders, the foundation, none of them know where they're going. Right. And I think the guys who surround them and, you know, work off those guys, look up to those guys, lean on those guys, you know, as the best players, as the more mature guys in the clubhouse are saying, well, if they're not being taken care of and we don't know what's going to happen to them, what the hell is going to happen to us? And that's I'm pretty sure, too, that on the Peacock broadcast, they specifically name like they're like yeah like they've got leaders on this team like jd martinez and xander bogarts and rafael devers like those are the guys and it's like uh yeah kind of awkward but yeah and it's just that if those guys and i give them credit those are the elite of the elite they're going to perform no matter what it trickles down it all has a trickle down effect and that's where i think some blame you know beyond just the roster construction which i called out bloom for i know some people were stunned that i could criticize him but uh there's bad PR. There's just bad energy surrounding a lot of this team. And 
like you said, the vibes have never been worse. And never been worse. It's like the moment I kind of look back to is that Bogart's presser, you know, right before opening day. And it feels like it's kind of just grown since then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man. It, it's bad. It's bad. And I, I know that like people, people listen to this podcast because they're like, all right, yeah, give me some hope. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I think, I think what I was saying a week or two ago was the hope. Um, and that being like, well, you know, like the, the pitching has been, has been pretty good and I think it's sustainable. And then you have the offense that hasn't been good, but I don't, I don't think that they're going to be this bad. All right. Well, then let's see some fucking improvement. We haven't seen it. And the longer it continues, I think the more difficult it's going to be for some of these guys to dig out of this hole because I think you made the point about it being mental. Like with Bob and Verdugo and Story and some of these guys, I mean, some of them just, I mean, like Jackie, you know what you're going to get. Like he, he was not, he wasn't brought here for his offense. He was brought here for his defense. And, you know, he threw out that runner at the plate on Friday night. Uh, you know, you see it with Jackie. Like your purpose is served. You, you know what you're going to get with Jackie. Um, but with some of these other guys, Kike, like we need to see it. We need to see it. They're not this bad. If you look at the numbers for those guys that I just named, they're not this bad. And collectively, when they suck like this, it it drags the entire team down. And having Kike be that guy at the top of the order last year that was the party starter and not saying that the Red Sox lineup was relentless top to bottom, but it was a lot better from from the top part uh and you're just not getting that this year so until until they kind of figure that out offensively and uh, I, I mean like where are you gonna go get a closer it's fucking may you know like the whole thing was maybe we, the red sox can tread water and then when you get to july maybe you can go out and you know plug some holes and make an addition here make an addition there uh you have Nine fucking blown saves already. Nine. And I'm not saying that if you had uh, a half-decent closer that he would have saved all nine games. Like we just saw fucking Romano blew a save against Houston. Even like some of the best closers over there, they'll blow a save here and there. So like, you know, let's say they have a top 10 closer. Do you save... Seven of nine, six of nine. If you save those games, it's totally different if the Red Sox are not in position to win these games. They have put themselves in a position to win nine games that they did not win because of blown saves. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the narrative would be uh, had... You know, let's say let's say Matt Barnes was first half Matt Barnes again, and you save seven of those nine games, and you've got a winning record, and it's like, oh, the Yankees are still better because they won eleven straight. It's like, well, at least we're having a conversation about being in the conversation. I think that's all that people wanted. I don't think that the expectations coming into the season were not the Red Sox have to win the fucking division because everyone was blowing the Toronto Blue Jays. No one was talking about the Yankees winning the division this year. That was not the narrative. It was the Toronto Blue Jays are. Uh, yeah, you know, a mega power, a, a tier and, above. Yeah, like they're just better. Um, well, guess what? The Yankees are really fucking good. Uh, the Rays are good, and the Blue Jays are good, and you're not to the point where the Orioles are better than you right now. 
the all fucking Orioles. Poverty. Poverty franchise behavior. All and it's not even close. It's fucking the Orioles. The Orioles have a game and a half lead on the Red Sox. Of course. It's just like when you look around, you didn't, you just had to be 500 or somewhere close to it. Just hope and cross your fingers. Tread water. That was it. You're 10 and 19. You're nowhere near 500. You'd have to win nine straight to get to 500. Like you're at the point in the year where you have to have basically a 600 winning percentage from this point on. They're going to, to you know, get to 90 wins. They're going to have to play almost perfect baseball. And you look, hey, Chris Sale, it's going to be another month. James Paxson, it's going to be another month, at least. Help isn't coming. We heard, Michael we heard, Walker to the injured list. Who's been your best starter this best year? Best starter. And now it's back to the point. You have Tanner Houck in there today. And props to the bullpen. They found a way. You're getting him for like 40 pitches. You know, and we're not even getting through three innings. Like, all these arms are getting put in different positions because you didn't do enough during the offseason in that department. Um, and you had time. You know, I'm so sick of people saying, well, Chris Sale got hurt. Congrats when the lockout ended. Right? Right. Did you not have time? You signed Trevor Story. You, you couldn't find something? Like, there were so many avenues to kind of try and find a middle ground here. And you didn't. You put band-aids and you hope for the best. It's bad. Your cuts are infected. This team's rotting out right now. And, you know, you say it a thousand times. You can't win it in April, but you can lose it. Being 10 back in your own division. On what is it? May 8th? May 8th. You can feel it on the team when, you know, you went into the ninth inning and you had Robles out there. Everyone could feel it. Everybody. And then, you know, I'm so sick of seeing Matt Barnes get pushed into these spots. It's unfair. It's it's pretty cruel. It's obvious. And I'll give him his credit. Friday, there was some optimism. He hit 95, 96. He's continuing to get out there in some of the most high leverage spots. A lot of the times in the 10th inning and... Talk about getting your dick kicked in. Imagine just not being able to be the guy who you were, and then you're getting embarrassed on the stage in front of everybody in the big moments. It's bad. Cruel. It's mean. It, it and mean. It's a lack of depth, and it just shines through. How can you put that guy out there again and again? It's not even competitive most of the time. Like, when he came in in the 10th on Saturday, it was, what, two pitches? Mm-hmm. <laughs> two pitches. Like, come on. Also, uh, I've seen some people with this take. I'm starting, I'm almost starting to agree with it. And I didn't think I would end up here. But the games that Garrett Whitlock has started, they've lost all of them. What if Garrett Whitlock was just your closer? Would the Red Sox have a winning record? I can't sit here and tell you that it definitively they would. I can't say that. But what I can say is that it makes more sense to me at this point being able to pinpoint one of the biggest problems with this team being the nine blown saves, knowing that you have this weapon in your bullpen that you're using as an opener and then he's just... It's not his fault, obviously, because he's been great in the games that he has started. But like, what the fuck's the point? Uh, if you're trotting out slapdicks to to blow the game once he comes out of the game, I would rather 
I would rather deploy a weapon like Garrett Whitlock at the back end to secure a victory than waste him, essentially, for four shutout innings, knowing that God knows what's going to happen the next five. Like, he could he could come out and dominate for four innings to start a game. Fine, no problem. But what the fuck's the point if the rest of the bullpen gives up fucking five, six runs after he comes out? You've just wasted him. And Again. It's just- and it's just one game, and your starting pitching has been your biggest strength. You can go, what, 16 starts back the last 16 games. It's a sub-2 ERA from your rotation. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, Waka being on the injured list hurts. I guess I guess it was like a retroactive uh, stint, and they're still expecting him to make his start against Texas. I guess we'll see. They're, they're just being cautious with him. But I don't know. It, it seems maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but it seems like a pretty obvious tweak to make where I would much rather have instead of Garrett Whitlock starting games, pitching four innings as an opener. uh, I would rather have him pitching two innings at the back end of games that the Red Sox have a lead in so that they can fucking win a goddamn baseball game. Like, please. And it's a guy who goes out there, he's not going to walk the room. And I think that's some of the reason people have been calling for Matt Strom a little bit too, who I think Mm -hmm. look good in the ninth inning. He should get more time out there compared to the group you got right now. Someone who can kind of work in that. But that's it. It, It's great. And trust me, starters have more value over the course of the season. That's the analytical argument you'll hear a thousand times. For this roster construction, it's not because you need someone multiple days a week who can come in there. I'm not talking the two or three inning role or role he played, you know, last year where he'd kind of come in and finish it or even at the beginning of this year. You just need someone who can go out there in the ninth and you don't have to think twice. Who's going to dominate, you know, maybe he blows one or two of those, you know, nine we've talked about. But like you said, if you have someone dependable there, you can make it through with the starter. I think Tanner Houck. I like Tanner Houck. The stuff has taken a step back this year. Stats had a great tweet on it today. Out of the bullpen even. And we're talking, you know, three innings. It's been it's been a little rough. Put him out back into the rotation. I, we don't like what, when he comes out of the bullpen, it's usually not great. Today, he wasn't fully stretched out. I don't think you saw what you saw. But just Houck isn't, having him in a multi-inning role in the bullpen versus Whitlock in the bullpen and then Hulk back in a starter role, I think is just what makes sense for them. And the biggest grievance you can have is when you look at Garrett Whitlock is he should be in the rotation. If you didn't have to think about any context, he'd be probably him and Nate Evaldi leading the top of your rotation. But once again, the Red Sox, you didn't do enough. Yep. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be having this conversation. A guy that good shouldn't be in the bullpen, but your poor roster construction is why he is. He needs to be. Mm. That that's I, the bottom line of the conversation. Yeah, I did see um, someone did. Uh, I can do it right now, actually. Um, the the uh, the Heim editions versus the previous GM editions. Was it uh, for the lineup? Yeah, Matt McCarthy. I don't know. Maybe. He had a similar tweet out there grouping. You know, basically wasn't super accurate. Typical Matt McCarthy. Uh, Love him, but Matt McCarthy. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's grouping in guys that aren't, you know, you you really can't categorize as Heim guys exactly. Or even Dombrowski guys, really. But, you know, he has a narrative. Verdugo's brother saw it and was not pleased. 
Uh, wh- what did he end up saying? It was that the one where he talked about how many he hearts- just he responded with a clown emoji. <laughs> yeah, I respond to a lot of McCarthy's tweets like that too, so I don't blame him. Yeah, um, it's just at the end of the, I'm not gonna some people putting Alex Verdugo on in Kike Hernandez on Heim. We know what those guys are. We we saw what Kike Hernandez was last year. Right, Alex Verdugo. You've seen even last year in a down year was slightly above average at the plate. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't you know below replacement level players like they've been no then i just saw mookie had a monster game last night what's he up to Eh, he's he's modest 255 800 ops yeah slow start for him but he's been heating up the last couple weeks yeah yeah don't (laughs) read me andrew benintendi stats please well he's he's one of the high babbit guys thank you thank you someone with context you know the classic andrew benintendi i love benintendi I, i do too but he's a slightly above average outfielder. Barely. That's what Andrew Benatendi is. But I love the guy. People overrate him here. I think that's a fair take. People people act like he was not, you know, like he was 2018 like Benatendi. I mixed reviews here. I feel like today I see a lot of people complaining about him not being here when he wouldn't have cracked your outfield last year. And that's just reality because you signed a guy in Hunter Renfro for $3 million who outperformed him considerably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You haven't seen Julio in the outfield this year, right? No. Not once. Well, considering the adductor stuff, too. Right. uh, Please, no. (laughs) Uh, Are they this bad? Are they this bad? No, they're not this bad, but things are spiraling very quickly. And unfortunately, when the strength of your team doesn't come through, the parts of your team that were eh or, you know, good enough start to look like bigger holes as well. Mm. And, and that's kind of it. Like we said, the bullpen, the blown saves are bad. Don't get me wrong. But are they, you know, if you just read that blown save stat and you thought about the Red Sox bullpen, overall, they haven't been that bad. Uh, no. It's just been, unfortunately, there's no breathing room on a regular basis and there's no one to depend on at the end of the games. So that's where it shows up a lot of the times. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for what to be mad about with this team, it's the offense. It is the offense, isn't it? And it should figure itself out. We keep saying that, but will it? I mean, it's, uh, you, it has to be better than this. Yes and no. Like, I'm going to keep saying his name. Kike is better than this. Alex Verdugo is better than this. Alex Verdugo is better than this. Trevor Story is better than this. Trevor Story is better than this. So there you go. Jackie is what he is. I think Bob's clearly, I mean, Bob's not this bad. This is insane. Sub 500 OPS right now. It's it like he's better than this. I think he's at the point where he might be so broken and overexposed. He might need time in Worcester to figure it out because he, he looks defeated. He does. And I feel bad. It's once again, you should have had more protection there. You just should have, you know, newly retired. Travis Shaw is not enough or wasn't enough protection. For you. I'm sorry. I would agree. Um, I'm looking at, I'm trying to combine some of these bullpen guys. Doesn't it say something when Franchi's at bats look so much better than Bob's? Yeah. And it's no disrespect to Franchi. I think he's made some strides, but I, I think it's a considerable difference. So I'm just, I'm pulling it together right now. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven relievers. Seven. Seven. 
This is Garrett Whitlock, Hansel Robles, Ryan Brazier, Austin Davis, Matt Strom, uh, Hirokazu Sawamura, Jake Diekman. Seven relievers. They've combined for 87 innings, 97 strikeouts, a 248 ERA, and a 1.08 whip. And I get it. I'll remove Garrett Whitlock because that's what everyone's saying right now. Those are heavily aided by Garrett Whitlock, who's been otherworldly. All right, so I take out Garrett Whitlock. So now we have the six relievers. Robles, Brazier, Davis, Strom, Salamora, Diekman. 65 and a third innings. 68 strikeouts. A 2.89 ERA and a 1.2 whip. Like that's a a 9.37 strikeouts per nine innings. That's pretty good when you have, like I just grouped together six Red Sox relievers and did not include Garrett Whitlock to aid the, the overall numbers. That's pretty good. So <laughs> I guess that's just why when we when you know the the nerds want to have the conversation about the closer role and be like, well, it doesn't matter. You just put your best reliever in there and then they can get the outs, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, there is something to it. Because we just showed you seven relievers in the Red Sox bullpen who have been getting it done. Seven guys. And no one's perfect. No one has a perfect bullpen. But if I told you right now that I could put seven individuals in the Red Sox bullpen and they would have a sub three ERA and a whip around one-ish and a strikeouts per nine hovering around 10, you'd be like, sign me the fuck up for that. Of course you would. Yeah, along with the rotation. That's been one of the best in all of baseball. Yeah. Like... Now, and and by the way, I didn't even include Kevin Puecki, who's been the best reliever for the Red Sox this year. Thank you. Thank you. So now I take Michael Waka. I'm going to take Rich Hill, Nathan Valdi, uh, and I'm going to leave out Nick Pavetta. <laughs> so that's three starters. I mean, I guess, should I put in Whitlock as a starter? It's like Whitlock, Houck. Fuse, obviously, it's going to kind of muddy the numbers, but yeah, let's throw Whitlock in there. I'll throw that's Whit- where they are. Whitlock. Okay. So those four guys a 218 ERA, a 096 whip. The strikeouts per nine isn't overwhelming, but 101 strikeouts in 103 and a third innings. So almost a strikeout per inning. Pretty fucking good. That's four of your rotation pieces. Assuming that we're viewing Garrett Whitlock as a starter, which at this juncture, I would say uh, I wouldn't. Like I, You don't want to mess around with the guy, but you've identified one of your major flaws uh, that you can actually do something about. Because offensively, you can't just point at Kike Hernandez and Bobby Dahlbeck and Jackie Bradley and Trevor Story and say, hit hit more home runs. Stop striking out, hit better. Hit the ball harder. You can't do that. But what you can do is take an opener and make him a back end of the bullpen guy. And you can fix the nine blown saves problem. You can do that. The guy who was one of the best relievers in all of baseball last year, dominated, was there for you in the playoffs in big moments as well. It's just, it seems like at this point, the Red Sox, there's just not, there hasn't been much of a plan there. It seems right. they're kind of doing it by their hip, and it's just it's not working. It's cost them in a lot of different spots, and now Waka going down 
it seemed like they were finally about to reshuffle things and get in a better spot. Not getting that now. No. So I guess there's reason to, I guess, not lose hope completely, but you're also trusting that the Red Sox are going to do something with with Whitlock to kind of plug the hole with uh, the blown saves thing. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, is is the Red Sox organization? Do they come off as a front office that's stubborn and unwilling to admit fault early? Like, I think that I mean we've seen it with like Bobby Dahlbeck, for example, at first base. How long do they let that go on before they put Franchi in there full time? Or it's a, now it's a platoon, so you have lefty righty. Or uh, you're going to call up Tristan Cassis to try and fix the first base issue. Um, like they'll they'll give long leashes to things that aren't working out right now. Um, but for the bullpen thing, it's so egregious. If if the Red Sox blew a save on Sunday when they got swept, if they blew a save, they would have twice as many blown saves as the next closest team. It's a big issue. And you have you have an asset to correct the issue. So what is the issue? I guess that, that's where the fucking uh, Chris Sale and James Paxton injuries fuck us the most. Which now you have Chris Sale... Uh, I don't know. So I don't want to like be like, what the fuck? I, I don't know what's going on with Chris Sale. It seems like it was. Oh, Jared, you don't have a Dan Shaughnessy theory. What did he say? Uh, he believes they are lying because of his vaccination status. That was. What the it, fuck it, it's does a, that matter? Heim declined and said that wasn't the case. He, he wouldn't admit what it was, but that's not the case. He actually wrote a whole article talking about why he thought that could somehow be it. Even though now he's scheduled to come back at the end of the June, at the end of June, well, they go to Toronto at the end of June. So I don't see the logic. The column didn't make any sense, but Dan Shaughnessy wrote it. I mean, it it could be like a, a mental health thing for all we know. And, and wouldn't that guy- make way more sense if like this dude has been a dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball for years and then he gets hurt last year. And he's got to get, or the year before, he's got to get Tommy John surgery. He's got to sit on the sidelines for a year and a half. And I'm sure that there is an, especially for a competitor of Chris Sale's caliber, an overwhelming sense of guilt getting paid $30 million to do nothing. Like, I'm sure that that, like, there, I'm sure that there's some players, Pablo Sandoval, that have no problem getting paid the full salary to do dick. And then there's guys like Chris Sale, who I'm sure that eats him alive to get paid a massive amount of money and then not be able to contribute on the field. So after having the Tommy John surgery, missing a year and a half, coming back, and then now having a setback to so that the same exact thing happens this year, you're missing the first half of this season. I'm sure that, like, I don't know. Like, I haven't talked to anyone. No one said anything to me privately, whatever. I don't know that it's a mental health thing with Chris Sale. Because they said it's like a non-injury or non-COVID or whatever setback. Uh, that must be... We know how competitive Chris Sale is. How discouraging and what type of negative effect that must have on someone, someone's mental health whose brain kind of works that way. So I don't know. I, I mean, again, like I, I think it's just, you know calling myself out here. It's just as unfair to speculate. Uh, 
that it's a mental health thing than Dan Shaughnessy saying that it's a, a vaccination status oh, thing. Listen, uh, we don't know. We don't he know. Ha- no, he has a narrative to push. And, you know, like you're saying, Jared, I don't want to attach anything to Chris Sale because, you know, he'll talk on it. He, he seems extremely open and I'll give him his credit. But there's one quote. And I think at the time, a lot of us said it. That interview when he talked about the rib injury afterwards was dark. Like the way he kind of described where his mind had been at points during Tommy John recovery and all that. He said, I forgot that I was almost a baseball player. You know, he's like, I, I remember he described the specific moment where he showed up, you know, this spring, he saw Nick Pavetta, him and, you know, Pavetta shooting the shit, whatever. And Pavetta goes to grab his glove and says like, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to go play catch. And Sale sat there. He was like, at that moment, I realized I had forgotten that, like, you know, I'm a pitcher. Like, I, I'm a baseball player. I'm a guy who's supposed to be getting ready to make 30 starts, to be the ace, the bulldog. Who knows? You know what I mean? And it sucks, man. Chris Sale, we know what he is. He is one of the, you know, greatest pitchers of his generation. Uh, you know, what he did when he got here, you know, before the injuries popped up and different stuff. And with the contract, which just it's the only thing that's ever attached to his name. And, you know, Chris Sale, like you said, he's the last guy you should ever look at and say, oh, he's stealing money, whatever it may be. He'd do anything to get out there. And mm-hmm. this is the guy. He he said he was willing to start throwing before that rib was even close to healed. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't give a fuck. Right. Yeah, whatever. I'll go out there and see what happens to me. Um, And why in the first place is his elbow probably in this state? The dude was giving it. I was give all continuously for years for a poverty white Sox organization out there every single day heavy innings workloads like this guy gave it all out there and we're seeing he's paying some of it back now with these injuries and stuff like that but the last thing chris sale has ever been is a quitter or someone who's trying to get out of stuff and you know the red Sox are pushing him a whole month back for a three-game series (laughs) nice logic yeah it's a narrative simply yeah sometimes i feel like dan will throw these ridiculous takes out there just because he doesn't want it to come off like he's the mouthpiece for the organization because um, Linda Pizzuti owns the Boston Globe. Dan works the Boston Globe. He doesn't want to be a guy that seems like he's uh, muzzled because he's uh, working for a newspaper company that is owned by the wife of the owner of the Boston Red Sox, which I get, you know, like I think if I was in his position, I would want to show that I still have my edge and that I can still say what I feel and that no one's telling me not to say certain things. But this was a reach. (laughs) Just try to make it line up. That's all I ask. If you're going to have a theory, make it make sense. Yeah, this was a major reach. Um, But if you want to... If you want to reach out and get some fucking tickets, boy, do we have the place for you. It's SeatGeek. Yeah. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? If not, then it's time to start using SeatGeek. Yeah. SeatGeek is actually... Uh, if you've been listening for a long time, the preferred uh, ticket partner um, for, I don't know, SeatGeek and, and this show go back to maybe 2016, 17. It's been a long time. So when we've gone to games, World Series games, ALCS games, SeatGeek, 
has been the uh, preferred method that we've used every single time to get tickets to go to these games. And I know, listen, I know that it's a, it's a difficult time during the season, but that's usually when the best deals are. A lot of people are probably saying, eh, I can't really go out there and watch this team. And I get it, but I still go. Jake, you still go? I'm still going. You're still going. Tyler, you been to any games recently? Yeah, my butt had a ton of fun yesterday there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at the games this past weekend. I went uh, Friday. Did I go Saturday, Jake? Yes. No. J- oh, well, Did we didn't I- go before on Saturday, but. Right. Yeah, so we're still going to multiple games. Um, and you can, too, with SeatGeek. And SeatGeek is so beloved by butts everywhere that they've made it the highest rated ticketing app. Whether it's concerts, baseball, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. And you can get $20 off your first purchase by using the promo code Jared, that is J-A-R-E-D, at SeatGeek.com, or you can use the SeatGeek app, that is promo code Jared, for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. That's a butt reference. Uh, download the app today. Um, all right, I guess we can look ahead and then get the fuck out of here. Stop and shop, look ahead. We're off on Monday. No baseball on Monday. Enjoy the mental health break of not having to watch this godforsaken team play baseball on Monday. And then the Boston Red Sox head on down to Atlanta to play a similarly struggling Atlanta Braves team, a team that uh, just won the World Series. Imagine that if the Red Sox actually got past Houston and then they played the Braves in the World Series and then both of these teams kind of sucked to start the year and no one really understood why. At least the Braves are improving. Um, they've won two straight and they're getting closer to 500. They're 14 and 16. Um, and it certainly helps when you can just acquire uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. for nothing, getting him back from injury. Uh, you get the the talent aspect of Acuna and then you also get that spark because he fucking... He's got more energy than anybody. But that whole solution that we had to fix the bullpen, that won't happen this week because Garrett Whitlock gets the ball in game one against Kyle Wright, who's fucking nasty. Um, and then you have Nathan Avaldi versus Ian Anderson. These are both 720 starts. Uh, Tuesday night's game is on TBS. But Kyle Wright, He's in the middle of a breakout campaign, which is great for the Red Sox. He's got a sub two. He's three and one with a one seven four, a whip under one, a strikeouts per nine of 10.7. He's pitched at least five innings in every single start, including seven in each of his last two. Uh, In his first four starts, he allowed three earned runs. Strikeouts by game six, nine, 11, eight, and then three. Eh. He's only allowed one home run this season. His heaters sits at 95, and hitters are hitting just 185 against the fastball. The Braves are have played; they've he's made five starts. The Braves have won four of them, and um, Red Sox hitters lifetime just two for 22. Pulwecki and JBJ both singles, awesome. Then you got Ian Anderson, who's having a pedestrian season, three and one, 
ERA of 401. Uh, the whip is 138. Strikeouts per nine, 6.6. Not ideal. Uh, below average season by his standards. Um, he's pitched five plus innings in his last four starts. You may be going to get some length out of him. Strikeouts are down. Uh, the walks have been an issue for him, which I don't know how that's going to go against the Red Sox because the Red Sox have been a big time uh, chase out of the zone team this year, not see a ton of pitches per plate appearance team. Uh, but his walks per start, five, one, three, two, four. So he's handing out free passes. I don't know if the Red Sox are going to be taking them. It'll be an interesting showdown. Uh, his changeup is his best pitch. Hitters are uh, 194 and 40% whiff rate against the changeup. Braves are three and two when he starts. And um, yeah, that's... That's where we're at. So, Jake, are you predicting a the Red Sox get swept? Yeah, they're definitely losing both. <laughs> oh my god! I that's that's really bad. Tyler, uh, God, man, I I don't want to go where Jake's going, but maybe we, maybe we all have to predict a sweep for the the powers to work. Yeah. Jake predicted a sweep and they got swept. Yeah. I, I don't like the idea of Kyle, Wright. You know, these guys we've seen with really good velocity and, you know, since Kyle Wright broke out last year in the playoffs and had that moment and the start to this year, it feels like everything's kind of trending in his direction for him to be the prospect. So many people thought he was going to be initially. I don't feel good about that game. And then, you know, Ian Anderson, like you said, down year so far, but still, you know, a really good pitcher in this league. I don't know. I don't feel great about it either way. I'm I'm just, you know what? Picking them to win two out of three like I have is not working. So I will be joining you, Jake. I'm going sweep Braves. I get the Braves sweeping. I get the Braves sweeping both games. So think about how many games that would be in a row for the Red Sox. Uh, it's scary. That'd be seven, right? Seven straight losses. Seven straight losses for the Red Sox. Will any of us be alive or will we all have jumped off a bridge at that point? I mean, I'm already dead inside. I'm already dead inside. And, uh, but it can get worse. Oh, it can get worse. It can get, it can hurt me anymore. Like once you're like, it's, it, I think it hurts more to feel like you're in it and then have someone kind of, like if you are holding on to the edge of the building and then someone takes like a fucking hammer and they're just bashing one of your fingers at a time and you got to move your finger like that hurts way more than just if I'm already laying on the fucking ground at the bottom of the building. Like that's where I'm at. Like I can't hurt any more than I already am. Like I've already like I'm, I'm dead. So we jumped off the balcony. We hit the pavement. Yep. We're leaking. We're leaking yep. very badly. Yeah. We're not dead. We could still I guess they could like. Uh, fly us in a helicopter to a nearby hospital, but being ten games out and nine games under five hundred on a five game losing streak, it's not good. <laughs> it's like you fell off the balcony. You know you're dying. The mm-hmm. ambulance misses the turn, and you see it, and you're kind of like, "All right, well, you know, I'm I'm dying already. Like it's kind of expected. Yeah, like like this is the hand I've been dealt. Yeah." I hmm. still have hope. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I do. I still have hope. Not that I'm not saying the Red Sox are going to win the division or make the playoffs. I still have hope that the the season will have relevance at some point. 
above like, 500. Yeah. Like make it so that it's like, well, if this, this, and this happens, then they could, they could find a way to get, you know, within three. And it's like, yeah, just give me some hope. Even if it, even if it never comes to fruition, give me a reason to have some moment of excitement because the only moment of excitement that we had was the fucking first inning against the Yankees on opening day. That's it. It It was a great first inning. Oh, to die for. It was a great first inning. But, um, yeah, I guess, uh, (laughs) I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see if the, the triple sweep prediction works to reverse the curse because that it does feel like a curse at this point. And I don't think it's the curse of me leaving. There's some there's something in play here. We just got to figure out what the curse is. Um, but something something just doesn't add up. Like if the Red Sox were ten and nineteen and the starters had a fucking six and a half ERA, they'd be like, all right, yeah, I guess I guess you know. Well, what do we expect? But as far as like what's been happening, it's inexplicable. So we gotta we gotta. Start trying new shit to, to reverse this, and uh, maybe maybe it starts here. Maybe it starts here. Jake, do you have any takes? Jake's, Jake's takes. Um, I've been sitting on a take that I've been wanting to drop for a while about Ooh. about Red Sox student nines, but okay. I don't know, Tyler. If you're if you know about these, because we're around the same age, but um, I've been out of college now for three years, and uh. I still am on the student nine ticket list and it's the best thing of all time. But I would, wow. I wanted to drop this when the Red Sox were actually good and it was like fun to go to games. Um, Cause I was just going to say how, if you work for the student ticket office, please don't take me off the list because I just got to go to every game for like $9. But at this point, I don't even know if I want it cause it just sucks to go. That's kind of like how I still use my college email to get Apple music for a discount. Yeah, I mean, it's an unbelievable deal, but I mean, if all the songs sucked, you wouldn't use it. No. Like, I don't want to use it when all the games suck. No, that's that, that's, that's a good point. I think you helped a lot of people, Jake. For better or for worse, there will be baseball this summer, and we will watch it mm-hmm. because we're sick. We're sick Fox. We're sick people. Something wrong with us. All right, um, sick. I'm going to fucking go to Providence, Rhode Island and, and watch professional wrestling with uh, Jimmy Stewart and the rest of the uh, the Kowloon crew. So that's going to hopefully be a nice little distraction away from baseball. And um, we'll see you on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning after the conclusion of the Atlanta Braves sweeping the Boston Red Sox in two games. Buenas noches, amigos.